G'day and welcome to Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Today, I'd like to introduce you to Keegan Turner-Wood, who is doing a PhD in biochemistry and cell biology within the Department of Biomedical and Molecular Sciences under the supervision of Dr. Stephen Smith. Welcome to Grad Chat, Keegan. Thanks so much for having me, Colin. It's really a pleasure to be here and talk about the work that I do. One thing I want to talk to you about was when I first read Keegan's topic, I, to be honest, I was a bit stuck. His research topic read, and, and wait for it, everyone, we aim to increase the activity of agarose digesting enzymes by designing chimeric protein complexes composed of linkers proteins from different saccharolytic species. Okay, you're probably going, yes, we, we, we totally get what that's about. Well, I didn't. And to be honest, I actually thought we were talking about something going on in our guts, not what happens with plants. So... I actually went back to Keegan because one of the things of doing these shows is giving our students an opportunity to think about how can they disseminate their work and make make their research more accessible to people like you and me. And so I went back to Keegan to discuss this just to make sure I'm understanding where he was coming. And it was great. He actually realised that talking in his usual lab tongue was not going to cut it and hence changed the description significantly, <laughs> which certainly made my understanding of the purpose of the research much clearer. So keep in mind what I just said his topic was earlier, and now it reads like this. With the continued depletion of fossil fuels, the search for new sources of renewable energy are growing ever more urgent. One possible source of energy is the vast repository of carbon found within plant biomass. We aim to gain access to this functionally limitless pool of energy by designing biological nanomachines which can efficiently release their trapped energy. There was no gut in there whatsoever. (laughs) So Keegan... What did you get from that learning experience? Because we hadn't even got on the radio yet, and I was already asking you some for some clarification. As you might expect, having been in academia for some time now, it's not the first time I've been required to produce revisions on some of my work. <laughs> and very much when I was asked to provide a synopsis of, of the work that I do, I fell right into the grant writing, presentation writing, where I assumed that the audience might have a more specialized knowledge of it. And really, it was autonomic. So my fingers touched the keyboard, and away came out the five, seven dollar words. Right. Uh, sacrolytic microbes might be something which you'd hear me and my peers talk about on a day to day basis, but I, in hindsight, recognize that that might not be <laughs> that might not be super accessible language. And to address the human gut microbes specifically, some of those details would be more relevant if this were think a topic with a more broad understanding if folks had a general folks had a more understanding of it a greater understanding of it however the origin of where some of these enzymes is not so important if it is your first blush at it right and so trimmed all of that away took it down to what i've described as my thanksgiving synopsis (laughs) when i come to talk to uh, family friends of family and what have you who uh, come from outside the field right and i do appreciate you reaching out to ask for clarification because of course 
my favorite topic of conversation is obviously the work that I do. And if yes. I have an opportunity to write more than one summary of it, then I'll definitely take it. Absolutely. Well, I thank you for being a good sport on this because, <laughs> because the, the last thing I want to do is actually put down any of our students because that's not what I'm doing. I'm just I was just asking for clarification. But I do find it funny from time to time when I just go totally blank and the outcomes Google and <laughs> looking up certain words and things like that. So I, I appreciate you seeing the humorous side of, of it all and, and uh, taking this as a learning experience oh, absolutely. too. So I, I guess the first thing, I mean, you're in biomedical and molecular sciences. That's right. Why are you researching plants? I mean, why aren't you in biology? Uh, great question. And a lot of that comes from the origin of the macromolecules themselves being plants, but they are wildly ubiquitous. So okay. every cell, irrespective of its origin, is coated in carbohydrates uh, okay. as part of, again, with a, a fancy word, the glycocalax. Okay. And... So while their origin may be in plants, the tools that we make to digest these specifically marine biomass okay. sources could be then applied to anything else. At the um. end of the day, we aim to design an efficient system with multiple different applications, and then other folks from there may choose to apply in different ways. So we would lean more towards the biochemistry rather than the biomedical, although there are some fringe benefits that we could see there. Right. The right. reason for plants themselves is when we're looking at generating biofuels, a big reservoir for energy does come in as plants. Okay. Uh, the most abundant macromolecule in the world in cellulose happens to be readily available in plants. Around the studio I see many, many items which are composed almost exclusively of it. And while it provides us good structure there isn't a lot we can do it in terms of powering our machines, producing electricity right. as of yet. And so our research aims to capture this, what did I say, theoretically limitless repository of yes. carbon. And so the reason for that is its abundance. And also, due to its abundance, there are a large number of bacteria which have evolved highly efficient systems for accessing it. And as such, we have a lot of tools to play with when we want to deconstruct it. Okay, so why don't you, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, mm -hmm. give me a bit more of an idea or synopsis of the research in general. Okay, so we are looking at the marine polysaccharides agros. So seaweeds, at least many okay. of them, produce this as part of their structure and it lines up in a crystalline matrix so while seaweed slimy and whatnot yes. the molecular structure of that is highly ordered and recalcitrant it's difficult okay. to break apart on a molecular basis okay however it's a food product for many bacteria who are able to colonize the seaweed and digest it so the agrose is alginate components right, so right, yep. that, that is a carbohydrate but it's one which we, or at least most people, can't gain access to as a food. Okay. Uh, so you can't gain access to it just by eating? Some people can, but it is rare. Okay. So, so you need to, it needs to be broken down any, first. Any lover of sushi would know much of that is surrounded in seaweed. Yes. And for most people, they lack the... PUL, the polysaccharide utilization loci, which are genes which code for 
agrose digesting enzymes. Okay. So certain demographics whose diet is heavily seaweed-based, if that's a, a big part of the cultural diet, they'll have a, a higher percentage of people who have these PULs. However, this population, is, it'd be less than a percent. There are okay. very few people. So as much as you might like seaweed, it is unlikely that you'll gain any nutritional value from that outside the, the salts that surround it. Okay. So how did you find out about these digesting carbohydrate matrices? Mm -hmm. So we knew that bacteria survived using these polysaccharides as their sole food source. Right. And then screening takes place in which you can compare the order of a specific point. However, the car carbohydrate matrices themselves do not digest. It's the enzymes which digest the carbohydrate matrices. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I don't know, just for personal clarification. Right. Okay. No okay. problem. So the way that we were able to find out about the enzymes which digested these carbohydrate matrices was by screening the bacteria who feed on them. Okay. We know that there are a large number of organisms which use seaweeds and other biomasses, both terrestrial and marine, as their sole food source. Okay. And by screening their DNA and comparing its sequences to others, we see a lot of commonalities. All right. And usually where there are commonalities, that means that there is an ancestral start point to these genes. And the more that we discover, the more... Well, the easier it gets to find others, okay. because once we have a large library of these carbohydrate active enzymes, which are proteins which bind to, digest, and process carbohydrates, it becomes easier to identify more and more. Initially, this was done by isolating these particular genes and then introducing them to carbohydrates and observing what products they make. Right. If we discover a protein with unknown function, we introduce it to a carbohydrate substrate, and suddenly it's producing monovalent sugars. We know that it's digesting, it's cutting apart. Okay, so and it's producing energy from that. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the word chimeric proteins. Yes. What is their importance? So that is our design. The concept of the chimera is a creature made up of many different other animals. Okay. And similarly, we are designing a protein complex which contains domains from many different bacterial species. So we've produced this Frankenstein's monster which contains enzymes from four different bacterial species as well as linker proteins from others to stick them all together. Right. And some of these pieces are entirely synthetic and we can do assembly, protein assembly, to design them entirely by our own hands. Right, right. And then all of this has been stuck together in a variety of different combinations. So the chimeric aspect is the experimentation portion. It allows us to manipulate the components as a sort of molecular Lego. Okay. We can find mm -hmm. a piece that we know works very well in one species yep. and then click it onto another one and then see how it works with several other Lego pieces, and then take them off and rearrange them however we choose. So okay. it's both the system by which we test the different enzymes, as well as a reference to the fact that it's from many different species. 
Okay, so what does saccharolytic species mean? I mean, is that just the sugar side of things? That's exactly right. So saccharolytic is something that digests polysaccharides. So Okay, so it's something that helps break down the sugars. Lytic, cutting, breaking apart into smaller pieces, saccharo sugars. Sugar. Okay. Exactly. And I will probably fall in between using a couple different terms to talk about carbohydrates, um, which I apologize for in advance, but polysaccharide, glycan, sugar, carbohydrate will all fit somewhat interchangeably. Right, which that makes sense. Mm-hmm. T- ties a little bit into the somewhat confusing nature of, of some of these <laughs> topics. But in this case, just think it's a long chain of simple sugars. Simple sugars. If you If you talk to someone and you say, I would like some sugar, most people would expect a, a refined white sugar, maybe mm-hmm. brown sugar if you like molasses more. And what those are are very small, easily digestible components. But conceptually, our carbohydrate is made of many linked sugars. Right. So right. it can be the same molecules, but then tied together with bonds. And it's those it's bonds those which bonds. exactly differentiate the many different forms of it. So why have you chosen to utilize this group of enzymes mm-hmm. to work with? Because it sounds like there's lots of different ones. And so you've clearly honed into to this one, yeah. which is the ag- agarose digesting enzyme. So the agarose digesting enzyme was chosen because there's room for improvement that we see. Many of the terrestrial Biomasses are digested by bacterial species, which produce mm-hmm. these large scaffolds. Right. So if you can imagine someone cutting this chain apart, instead of sending out their different pieces piecemeal, they attach them all together on a single scaffold. So they're a little factory, a biological nanomachine, and then they clamp that to the outside of their cell. And we've observed that this dramatically increases their activity. However, many digesters of marine polysaccharides have not evolved a comparable system. They still operate by having their enzymes as separate entities, which is still useful, efficient, and a way for them to produce energy. However, it, first of all, does not localize the production of energy as much adjacent to the cell. So they're losing a lot of their product through diffusion. They're cutting these chains apart and then they're just kind of floating away so they don't get to eat them. Right. Uh, very generous for the next cell that comes along, but not so useful for them. As well as there's an increase in activity associated with working together in side by side. Right. So this is the proximity effect. And as you can imagine, any sort of group project or physical task is much more difficult if you're in separate rooms. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely. So I guess before going on to your other questions that we've got here, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering whether I should put this question first because we're talking about plants, <laughs> yeah. right? And trying to get out the energy from within those plants. In this case, you've been talking about seaweed. That's right. But can that really, can seaweed really replace a fossil fuel i mean because fossil fuels the breakdowns of other carbon organisms and things like that if you look at oil and and those sorts of things are you are you suggesting down the track and maybe i'm going too far Mm -hmm. ahead here that 
if we can find a better way of getting the energy out of this seaweed, then we should all be farming seaweed. Well, the, the first thing to look at is that we are not well equipped to extract energy from plant or any biomass right now. Okay. So there's no possibility for replacement. And the second is to really look at our available resources. Mm -hmm. And seaweed, as its name implies, is a weed. It's right. extremely easy to grow in enormous volumes. And the ocean represents the single largest carbon sink in the world. Right. And so we know that there's tons of energy trapped there. As an entire replacement, I think it would be reaching for me to say that you could ever compare it to that, especially because fossil fuels are so energy dense right. and mm -hmm. easy to convert into transportable energy. However, the value that comes from an efficient digester of carbohydrates can be applied both to secondary biofuels for, for use as, as energy, for electrical right. energy as well as a wide variety of other types of industrial chemicals. So the first part is what you're trying to do is mm -hmm. find out how can you get to that energy. We know it's there. Yeah. We know it has the potential to be used to replace our um, abundance of using fossil fuels, but we still want to find out what's a, um, a quick and cheap way mm -hmm. of accessing that energy, which is where you, you guys come in. We already use globally a huge amount of mid-length oligosaccharides, a digestion product, as well as mono and disaccharides. So okay. the digestion products from these seaweeds and these marine biomasses are already used throughout industry, medicine, what have you. However, they're not taken right from the source. Right. So the process to produce them is expensive. Any time that you can turn a cheap and readily abundant source of energy or frankly anything into something that there's a high market demand for, such as the secondary biofuels or high value chemicals which are found and used in industry, cosmetic foodstuffs use many right. of these, there's a big market for that because you're turning something cheap into something expensive and what we're doing is just going right to the source right we're, okay. we're finding money that literally grows not on trees but in seaweed in seaweed <laughs> <laughs> i love it so how do you go about evaluating the activities of different designer protein complexes so the crux of this project is making the most efficient system possible right. mm -hmm. and then we have to figure out how we judge efficiency and what that is is product analysis we introduce any particular protein complex which we've generated to its substrate, our seaweed, specifically right. our agros, and then we observe what comes off of that. Right. And we use a variety of separation-based techniques to do it. So because it's a digestion, it's producing smaller and smaller subunits as the digestion continues. Right. So we use techniques such as thin layer chromatography, fluorescence-assisted carbohydrate electrophoresis, and a lot of other fancy words to basically <laughs> separate things by how big they are. Right. So we're lining them up in terms of size, and we're looking for a system which has the highest density of small things. Right. Because that means that the digestion is going to completion, 
and it's also that doing it at a rate greater than a comparable complex. Right. And so I guess this is what comes in when you're talking about scaffolding. To, mm-hmm. me, to me, the word scaffold means there's layers going up and up and up. And so I guess this is where the scaffolding sort of thing comes in. Like you said, if you can get to that layer that has a lot within the layer, but it's the smallest particle, yeah. then you, you've, got, you've got that. The way I like to describe the digestion process is like a long chain link fence and each one of these enzymes is a pair of bolt cutters. Okay. And they can only cut particular links of it. They can't cut every single one. So you have to have a different set of tools. Right. So we come in and they break them apart, and then we judge how many different sized links there are. Are there, are there two? Is it a disaccharide? Are there one? Is it a monosaccharide? And we're looking for this particular combination of bolt cutters in a particular arrangement, which produce the highest concentration of single the links. Single, the single link. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the scaffold component is most related to how these enzymes are attached together. So it is a, a backbone which immobilizes the enzymes. So okay. we're attaching our enzymes, our bolt cutters, together on a backbone, like a a rack. Mm -hmm. Right. And once they're all stuck together, they work more efficiently due to their proximity. If one of them is able to break certain links and produce a product which is then digested by the next, it's most efficient if they are adjacent to one another. Right, yes. Much like Rather than having to leapfrog to the other chain down the road. Much Mm -hmm. like a, a human factory, if I am changing some small thing which then your job is to change that. It's easier if I'm beside you than in another room for me to have to walk over and sit it on you. your table. Right. So it's a little line where one of the enzymes does its thing, it passes it over to the next one, which then can use it, and then keeps passing it along the line. Okay. we've You've kind of touched on this, but what does sacrolytic species mean, and how many are the, of these species? Mm-hmm. And do they have different functions? That is a fantastic question. So sacrolytic species are microbes, which can be bacteria, fungi, which use polysaccharides as their primary food source. Okay, so these are the little things that go around eating. Wood, seaweed, right. yeah. any biomass, right. really, and that eats those is a, a sacrolytic microorganism. And how many are there? Tons. Tons. There, there are an enormous number of these. As I mentioned, most abundant macromolecule in cellulose, huge reservoir of trapped energy, and nature is not going to allow that resource to go untapped for so long. Right, right. There might have been a time historically where these enzymes had not yet evolved, and so when a tree died, it just stood there forever until it burned down, but eventually some random evolution produced an enzyme which could cut it apart. And so anytime you walk through the forest and see a a pulpy log, that is the action of a sacrolytic microbe. Okay. And their different functions relate to their different polysaccharides. Were I to take a microorganism which feasted upon algae or seaweeds, If I were to introduce that to a tree, 
which has a cellulose matrix, right. it would be unable to survive. Okay. So they are highly specialized in that nature. So with these models that you're looking at, you've been looking at seaweed in particular, mm -hmm. and you've been looking at models to help break down the energy within seaweed. Are you saying then that with this model, you won't necessarily be able to use the same model on another plant, or you can modify the model of what you're using? So we are looking to design a system. That system will be specific to agros. Right. However, using the cellulosome paradigm, we've made a system that can be readily changed. Okay. If you wanted to use our biological nanomachine to digest a different carbohydrate, all you would have to do is adhere these enzyme. little attachment pieces to enzymes. Right. And then they would fit together like those Lego pieces. Okay. So once you've designed the scaffold and identified uh, an enzyme system, you then associate a protein domain which attaches that enzyme to the scaffold. Okay. How successful have you been so far in, in this <laughs> scaffold? And I know that's a, you know, the million-dollar yeah. question, but, I mean, are we close to being able to create this scaffold that can do bring out this, this energy that we're looking for? We have iterations of the scaffold which can improve the okay. activity of these enzymes. So in that sense, uh, yes. And the carbohydrate active enzyme community has been active themselves for over 20 years in producing these types of biological nanomachines. Right. So the technology exists and we've been iteratively improving the systems such that they can digest many, many different forms of polysaccharides. So how successful it is, it's successful enough to be better than what nature is currently capable of doing. Right. So you're helping manipulate it to fasten the process That's and make it right. easier. In terms of high throughput industrial application, mm -hmm. I think that that's something that we would only ever look at once we felt that we perfected it. Okay. And right. there's no point in going through and scaling up a process which you think two years from now we're going to improve even more because we're just going to want to change what we've already made huge scale. And so right now, much of the research is exploratory okay. in terms of finding out what works better beside each other, how large we should make these scaffolds, the sources of these enzymes. There are a lot of variables which we're fine-tuning. Much like the sliders and knobs on your board in front of you, mm -hmm. we need to find the perfect level of each one of those to be the most efficient system. And before going forward, it's probably best that we perfect it. I know it's hard to predict what's going to happen in the future, but if, <laughs> you know, the ultimate goal is to replace our need for fossil fuels. Knowing how complex the structure that you're looking at is mm -hmm. and the process is, do we really think it's feasible that we can replace those fo fossil fuels? Realistically, they'll be replaced in we some may, number of we years because they'll to. be gone. <laughs> yes. So whether fossil fuels are replaced by this system or others in some 
in perhaps frighteningly short number of years, they'll be gone. Right. And so there'll be no replacing because they'll will have to rely on the they'll alternatives. They'll have to rely, right. It is more likely that this would be a technology that's used in conjunction with others. Right. And in that way, what we're looking to do is diversify our energy sources. Okay. Right now, we have relied very heavily on fossil fuels and really leaned into that technologically. And what we're seeing now with technological advancements are a diversification. We now draw energy to produce electricity from the sun, water, Mm -hmm. wind. Anywhere we can find something that produces energy, it's very, very valuable. And so instead of repeating our sociological reliance on one particular thing, it appears that the scientific community is aiming to sort of spread out and sample all of these, see which one works best, and more importantly, see which one works best for each region. Can I ask you one question? You may not be able to answer this. I'll try my best. Yeah, I'm going back to the old seaweed, right? (laughs) Because that's what you've been looking at. Have you seen with when you're looking at the seaweed and the breakdown of seaweed, Mm -hmm. is there any way to show the effect of pollution? Because we all know with Mm -hmm. pollution, there's there's the the possibility that a normal natural structure can change because of the pollution around it. Have you found differences, depending on where you get your seaweed from, with the potential that that is because of pollution and is that going to make things difficult further along so the first thing to note is the the seaweed that we work has been very highly processed in fact we're not working nor do we grow the product ourselves we ship in the highly pure polysaccharide agros which is used not only for our research, but for a variety of others. And so we're not able to to point to any particular region and say, well, we know seaweed from here is going to behave differently. Right. So I don't have the capacity to answer that type of question. Mm-hmm. To your first point about if the digestion of seaweed itself produces toxins, none that we've observed. Okay. Um, okay. Imp- this is important because seaweed is digest by the ton every day already in nature. Yes. And the organisms which do that digestion don't produce toxins which kill themselves or other marine animals or microorganisms. Right. So we believe this to be a very safe digestion process as well as the tools that we're using to digest these are quite safe themselves. You mentioned that... This I, I talked about the human gut microbes yes. before. Mm-hmm. The carbohydrate-active enzymes that we're using are sourced from microorganisms which colonize our own gut. And if they live okay. within our own right, bodies, right. the things that they digest are clearly not toxic to us. To us. Okay. Okay. So p- oh. part of why we chose some of these are because we're familiar with their systems. It right. being part of people means that there's been a bulk of research related to it, but we also can characterize their products as as not dangerous. 
that's important for us to it's hear. It's absolutely important. <laughs> Otherwise, it's like, oh, what are we doing? <laughs> we're just cre- creating another monster. So, you know, Keegan, we're going to have to call it quits, as I say, because we have come to the end of our session. Mm-hmm. Hopefully everyone realises, you know, the importance of this research that you're doing because we all worry about fossil fuels and things. And I hope also that they realise the importance that research doesn't always fit into one particular area. I yeah. mean, here is Keegan doing it in biomedical molecular sciences, but could could easily have done it in other fields, research mm-hmm. fields, but is doing it here because of some of the technology and equipment available, I guess, yeah. um, available to you in these particular labs. So it just goes to show how research can cross over many different areas. So hopefully everyone got that as well from our conversation. And I do thank you again for um, re-clarifying <laughs> what you're doing because I did have a bit of a chuckle and I'm glad you had a chuckle too about from your initial outline to where we've come today yeah. and it's so much more clearer. So I really do appreciate <laughs> you helping me out there because now I want to be able to be able to uh, go on and tell my family and things about some of the work that you've been doing and I think they'll find it fascinating as well. So thank you very much for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me and giving me a second chance to explain <laughs> myself. We all need second chances because <laughs> we're not always as clear as we think we are at You're times. You're absolutely for right. Everyone. So that's great. So thank you very much again. I appreciate it. So that's it, everyone. A, another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Don't forget you can download this show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Android or Stitcher. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.